Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. It's Monday's Irish Times, second captain's podcast. We're back in Dublin after a sensational week in New York City. Owen and Murph are back to be specific. Hi, Kieran. Hello there, Owen. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Just settling back in here. What was your... Can I push you for a highlight of your time in the Ooh. Big Apple? Hmm. Uh, well, I, I, I did like uh, uh, watching the, the burgeoning friendship between Andy Lee and Henry Shefflin, how that developed oh, yeah. over, over the course of the, the few days. Uh, so much in common. Some some differences. Uh, I mean, I, I, I feel like, for, for instance, they met in the gym. Andy, just keeping himself in train. Henry Shefflin, blasting his way <laughs> through the most vigorous workout that Andy Lee had ever seen. Uh, which was quite something, you know? Core exercises, weights oh. work, the whole, the whole shit. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was, yeah, it sounded like kind of a, a extremely punishing regimen <laughs> that Henry's putting himself through uh, for the Kilkenny Club Hurling Championship, which may start somewhere in mid-July. i got to say, Shefflin was the only Irishman in New York, probably in that entire week, working out to that extent. And that's that's why he's one of the greatest sports people of all time, Murph. I'm telling you, so I'm telling you. you yeah. You might have seen some of the great photos that were taken at the live show with the Brass Monkey. We've tweeted a good few out at this stage, but there's one snap that remains elusive. You know what I'm talking about. It's a picture taken by the naked lady from her vantage point in one of the rooms at the Standard Hotel. It was yeah. It was a real first for us to be the subject of such an intimate portrait. So if you're listening, naked lady, please show us what you came up with. How did we look from up there? I know. I mean, it, it would be an interesting vantage point. Were there any listeners you know, to the podcast who were like, what I was oh the second captain's lads are down there, you know I should have probably got tickets, but since I'm here in the standard, mm. you know Solange Knowles maybe or someone like that, you know that was where she got into the row with Jay Z, oh, right, in okay. the lift in the standard. So I don't know, I, I I don't know maybe maybe she tunes in maybe just the football. Show I don't know if I want to see that photograph to be honest because I'd say look, the, just the ball patches don't look good from that yeah, high. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe I'm happy enough never to hear from Naked Lady. I went t-shirt shopping the last day but failed to find the street vendor I'd seen earlier in the week selling the Donald Trump merchandise. Yeah. There was one t-shirt in particular that had grabbed my attention. Vote Trump! Finally a candidate with some... And then it's an image of a pair of testicles designed to look like the American flag. 
So I presume that meant finally candidate with some American balls. Some all-American balls. Mm. Uh, yeah, maybe they've sold out, Owen. You know, maybe maybe there's not another one of those t-shirts to be got in the greater Manhattan or New York area. Jerry, Jerry Thorny described Connick's beating of Munster as a confirmation of a shift in the balance of provincial power. He's popping to studio in a little bit. We'll start with the hurling, though. Murph because Clare have had a couple of stinking years, to be honest with you, since they won the All-Ireland in 2013. The Donald O'Cusack appointment obviously added a serious buzz. And then their win against Tip in the league quarterfinal was followed up by the big fish they caught yesterday. Um, when they beat Kilkenny fairly convincingly as well and in, in quite a bit of style there's been this idea so so far this year that they've gone under the radar I think this is something that Henry Shefflin had actually mentioned to us last week that be, okay, they have these high profile guys in charge now but ide- it's, a, it's been a good situation for them that they've been able to do their work and put in mm. the preparatory work pretty much unseen by anyone in Division 1B I don't think they're under the radar anymore no, no, no. I don't think you can beat Tipperary and Kilkenny in the space of three weeks. Stop beating all these count- these great counties. You're on the radar. You can consider yourselves on the radar, Claire. Um, but no, it's it's uh, it has been. Well, it's it. When you look back at 2013 and how brilliantly they played throughout that year, and then consider how bad they've been in the last two years. I mean, if if the age profile of the team was a little different, I think you would have said that the 2013 All Ireland win. You could nearly have just written it off as a, as a flash in the pan. But given the fact that so many of their players are so young, you're talking still about uh, 22, 23-year-olds at the very heart of all of these teams. I think no one no one thought that about Clare. No one thought that Clare had gone forever, which just made it all the more mystifying to see what they've done over the last two years. Mm. And now there's a real anticipation that, that they can go very far in the Championship this year. And that uh, an All-Ireland final between Clare and Kilkenny... I think is the game that people want to see now. Um, that and maybe if it's not in the semi, if it's not in the final, then in a semi final. Uh, I mean, it's weird. Gerlach Nan was talking. Uh, he did an interview with the GA website last week, and he was talking about how Clare need to go the whole way t- through the championship and not lose a game. We have to win a Munster final and then win an All Ireland final. Elsewhere in that interview, he said the only way you can catch Kilkenny is by playing them in an Ireland quarterfinal or semi-final. That's the only time you're ever going to beat them. So, I mean, you can't have... I, I, it, 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 it doesn't look great for the chances of, of doing both of those things, yep. uh, to be honest. But, I mean, uh, certainly, and on the back of what happened yesterday, a clear Kilkenny Ireland final would be something that a lot of people would be looking forward to. Owen Kelly's good to go. Malachy Clerken was at Semple Stadium. Malachy, how are things? All right, Owen, I'm good. Uh, if Kilkenny had lost to anyone else... I don't know if it would have been as big a story. Maybe it would have been, but people have been looking forward to this Kilkenny-Clare game for a while. And when it finally comes along, Clare, not only did they win it, but they had they seem to have a lot of the, the verve that they had in the early Davy Fitz days back. Yeah, that's, actually, I hadn't thought of it like that. that. That if it had been anybody, if, say, Galway had beaten them yesterday, or Tip, yeah, you'd be kind of going, well, they're, both those teams are liable to beat them once in a while. But yeah, the... Claire do seem to have something about them. Like, I, you know, there were a couple of things that, that were really interesting sort of for the future. And, and, like, you had to be able to walk out of Semple yesterday and remind yourself, look, as Davy kept saying to us lads, tis April, tis April. <laughs> Don't be getting carried away, tis April. But what one in- really interesting thing was that they were able to do it with actually nothing like their championship team or what you would imagine was their championship team. You know, Colin Ryan didn't start, Shane O'Donnell didn't start, Tony Kelly didn't start, still missing David McInerney. <clears throat> Pardon me. They're still uh, missing uh, Conor Ryan. Mm. 
Um, Pat Donnan's out for the year. You know, like these guys, staples of their All-Ireland winning team, um, weren't there. And, you know, the, you can say a lot about, you know, the guys that Kilkenny were missing too, but it did. It does seem like you could walk away going, right, well, here is a contender. Like, here, here is a team who, if they get everything right, uh, will seriously extend the best teams at the end of the year. And the, the one thing that... Uh, I was certain of because you can't ever be certain of anything. If Kilkenny lose a game, they they do tend to the odd time lose a blowout. They do, you know, it it it, it sort of uh, comes as a big surprise to everybody, uh, and you can get a wee bit carried away. But so I I don't know if, if I would take an awful lot from Kilkenny's point of view from yesterday. But the one thing I will take from from Clare's point of view is that whoever beats them in the summer better have a plan or is going to have to have had a really good plan because they come correct. Like, they come, or they came yesterday with a, a very specific plan. They they had their I's dotted and their T's crossed, and they are, they are a serious examination for anybody. What, whether they're anything more than that, we'll see as we go along. But, but as a sort of a first principle, I, I, I said in the report today, it it's... Impossible to see them go out of the championship this year in the sort of one sluggish way that they went out in the last two years. Yeah, it's quite exciting. When we were talking to Henry Sheffield in the New York last week, he made the point. He he didn't seem certain that the Donald Logue, Davy Fitz thing was going to work out long term. I mean, he did, he did raise the idea that having two people, uh, uh, you know, both so intense and both with such such strong ideas. Isn't, isn't necessarily the way that he would want to play under a managerial team. But he did say, when I put it to him at the end, Kilkenny to win the All-Ireland, he said, well, yeah, although I would be very interested to see how Clare, how Clare come through. And other than that, it's hard to see anybody else. So I was struck by the fact that Clare were the only other team. He really name-checked their own. Uh, based on what you saw at the weekend, do they have a good shot at the championship? Of course they do. Like You see, the Clare-Kilkenny saga, we'll just talk about it now, there's no baggage there with any of those Clare players uh, playing Kilkenny. They played them last year in the league and it was a draw game in the league round and then Kilkenny won the relegation by a point. So, you know what I mean? That game went to the death. So, these guys have came across each other at under-21 level, maybe on nine in dollar and final in 2011 and Clare wiped the floor with Kilkenny. So, that vintage crop of players has no fear of that Kilkenny jersey and that's that's something that's a massive in your in your mentality uh, when you go to play Kilkenny like and I think Clare you know I mean they don't fear Kilkenny but yesterday like the matchups I think Davy got it spot on and like you have to give Davy credit where credit is due like he did not feel threatened by inviting Don Law uh, or Cusick into his camp into his backroom team so that told you straight away that Davy was probably that small bit cooler and that small bit more composed um, and he even uh, seemed came across that way on the sideline yesterday, beforehand and even afterwards. You know, but look, David Fitzgerald probably uh, going toe to toe with Walter Walsh yesterday. John Conlon inside in what we call kind of a, a pyramid structure. He was up on his own, so he was. But then you had Aaron Cunningham and these guys coming deep because they've pace. So they're the one team themselves and Walter are probably the two fifth teams in the league. But when it comes to Championship Hurl and that ball is hopping, they have serious pace in their teams. And that's why Clare are one team that can threaten Kilkenny down the road. Now, there are serious hurdles to be jumped before they get to rub shoulders with Kilkenny again. And it, it might not happen. You, we'd all love to see it happen. But um, like, if probably they don't win this league final, 
um, all their work against Kilkenny. Right, they'll store a bit of it in the bank in the psychological department, but you know, to deliver silverware with this bunch of players again, and even for Davy, it'll probably buy him another year or two in his manage- management position, which has been questioned in his own county of Clare the last couple of seasons. I think wrongly so, to be honest with you, because I think any man that wins all Ireland with, with a team, you know, that uh, he knows what it, what it takes. But, um, look, it was great to see you, Jesse. But, look, on the other side of us, Kilkenny minus the four or five uh, top players that Brian Cody needs on the pitch. You know, they've, they've picked up um, too many injuries and lost too many players over the last years to have a squad. They now have probably 16, 17 players that they need. And, you know, like, there was probably one or two. Like, Ocean O'Brien had a super game on Richie Hogan yesterday. Went a small bit over the edge probably with Richie Hogan, but the Kenny players, you don't see him reacting. They'll store that and they'll, they won't get caught positional in, in, in the wrong position the next time with the Markham. But you know, it, it's intriguing to see it and to see a clear... Waterford uh, League final it's definitely refreshing so it is yeah on, it's interesting as well I mean Malachy references there as well just how poor Clare have been in 2014 and 2015 and how meekly they've left the championship and so it's it's very you're tempted to ask what's changed and then you're equally tempted to say well Donal Cusack that's the, the, the key difference in the Clare backroom setup or in, in the Clare setup generally uh, it, this is kind of sums up the role of the number two though in a lot of ways that uh, you can often start, you know, start getting praise without any knowledge outside of the group of what Don Like Cusack is bringing or not bringing to to the to the scene. But that's what, looking at it from the outside. You're, you've, you you see Don Like Cusack going in there, and you immediately see a major improvement in performance. Of course, you would like, but I wouldn't be giving Don Like probably a hundred percent of the, the credit here. Now, definitely, he's mad at plus. Definitely, Davy's attitude has changed a small bit. He seems more composed. He's probably taken on more of a manager's role. Uh, he has now Don Lucusic number two, who's bringing something definitely to the table. But I suppose he has found a couple of new players, like Aaron Cunningham now was a good under 21. He seems to have stepped up to the play. We've seen flashes of brilliance from him last year against Limerick when he scored two goals after coming on. Aaron Shanahar scored a crucial goal against Tipperary. He was caught up with Wolf Tones in the club championship. So he seems to be a young guy, a big young guy, that seems to be coming on the last maybe six or eight minutes. Um, Bobby Duggan has had an okay league as well. He So I think Davey needed to reinvent it and find a couple of new players. Oshin O'Brien, cornerback, David Fitzgerald, wingback. And as Maliki has said previously, this is all without a couple of their key men. Uh, David McInerney, Tony Kelly, Shane O'Donnell, Pat Donnell injured. So this is the big thing here for me that they found four or five new players in the league. Guys that are really able to mix it and have made a difference in the league and made a, a big contribution yesterday as well. And I think that's what you need. You need that freshness to come into your uh, into your team. Whereas the last two seasons, I think we've seen the same player probably team that won the All-Ireland and competed in those two All-Ireland finals in, in 2013. I think you're right, Owen, that, that the, maybe the key, one of the key influences of, of Donal Logue is actually what influence he's had on, on Davy. And I mean, we obviously don't really see that uh, 99% of the time, but the 1% of the time that we do see Davy Fitzgerald is on the sideline during games. And if you were standing behind Davy Fitzgerald at any stage over the last three years and watching him on the line during a game... Yeah, we've all done it. I mean, it's a sport within the sport. Exactly. Ways, and, you know. and, and, you know, and he, he, he never fails to deliver on that score, you know. I think it... I thought it was very noticeable yesterday that 
with a few odd exceptions, just sort of midway through the second half, Kilkenny scored 1-3 in a row and got it back to about seven points. But other than that, and uh, Clare sped away from that. But other than that, the, the most of the giving out that was being done on the line was being done by Donal O'Cusack. Mm. And the most of the sort of running up and down the line and roaring, the odd time roaring at the referee, but the odd time roaring at, at their own players, it was Donal O'Cusack that was doing that. And Davey was quite implacable most of the way through. He, he, he lost his head very, very briefly at a couple of decisions because um, there was a bit of rucking going on. Exactly what Owen was talking about there, a bit of between Richie Hogan and TJ Reid and Oshino O'Brien and stuff like that. And so he got a bit cranky about that. But but for the most part, it, it's the calmest I've seen him on a, on a line in an awful long time. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting as well that, that Dunlough could nearly act just as like a, someone to vent at. Yeah. You know, and that you and as a result, it's instead of this, uh, and we've you know we, anyone who's gone to a hurling game sees the, like how oppressive for some players that would be how Davy has acted on the line in the past. I mean, it's not even a case of you know giving out to referees or giving out to linesmen or anything. It's the micromanagement of every facet of every yeah. every one of his players' games for the entire seventy minutes. And I mean, I think that if. If if that's one thing that Donald Oak has brought to it, and that's one thing that we can see a, a measure measurable difference in from this year to last, that's actually a pretty big contribution. But the point, but the point is is well made by own. Like the credit for all of that goes to Davy Fitzgerald. It yeah. doesn't really go to anybody else because he, you know I read a piece the other day. I think it was Christy O'Connor was writing it that the Clare backroom is thirty one people now. It's the, it's the biggest in the sport and. Because he has decided to not make it all about himself, to, to delegate, to step back, to allow others have their head and, and as you say, to be a manager ra- rather than a micromanager, I guess. Yeah, tis only April though. Tis only lads. April. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm, okay, Owen, can I, want, I want to put you into, into the middle of Clare against Waterford, not in the league final, but in the championship in about five weeks' time. And Clare two points down. They've just had a player unfairly sent off. <laughs> uh, somebody's missed a penalty for them. Do you think that we'll see this zen-like Davy Fitz on the sideline? Yeah, you probably will. But like I think that when that man is sent off in the down to 14, that that will be, have been pre-planned in training once or twice uh, with the likes of Donald Cusick and Davy. So that's the attempt... Uh, Attention to detail that both of those guys will bring. Davy brings it, uh, and I and would have brought it before, but now he's a second man that thinks the exact same way as. I, I think Pep Guardiola let out one of his secrets over the weekend in some uh, Sunday paper I was reading to, where he goes into a dungeon on his own and he trawls through the other team's footage to see where we can break him down. I think you have two men on the sideline. You had one man before Davy. Now you have two guys that do that and that analyze every team. So I'd have no, I've no fear that if, if they get down to fourteen or miss a penalty. That will be pre-planned in training. You might see the bit of uh, madness that Davy brings to it, but that's great too. Like, but definitely, Clare found a squad, and the hunger is back, and that work rate, and that's something that um, you know, if it's not there at this level, you're, you're going to be beaten. But look, I wouldn't rule. Look, Kilkenny, they were still fighting to the death, and that's the one thing about a team. Limerick, on the other hand, kind of died to death when there was maybe the seven or eight minutes to go. You could see him just faltering away, whereas Kilkenny kept going to the wire, and that spirit that Brian Cody has in his team. Throughout all his managerial uh, days, you can see that that hasn't uh, that hasn't gone away either. Like, yeah, um, you were writing in the Times today, Malky, about how we do tend to, and you mentioned it there as well, how you do tend to overblow the importance of mm. losses just because they don't do mm. it all that often. But there was one part of it that I was very interested in um, 
the and the, it was the fa- the fact that Clare targeted Joey Holden at full back, yeah. and that was such a huge part of the build up to last year's championship. Mm. Uh, that you know there were question marks over over Joey Holden, and he obviously had a good year last year, but. That was that was interesting to me. That 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 was the the, the perceived weakness in the Kilkenny team that Clare went after. Yeah, I I wondered afterwards, and Davy wouldn't uh, would <laughs> wasn't budging on it, but I wondered were, were they surprised at actually how well it paid off and and how helpful Kilkenny were in <laughs> in their endeavours. Um, I really just couldn't believe the space that John Conlon had in front of him for the whole of the game yesterday. Um, because all of the the rest of the Clare forwards all retreated out to the forty five to sixty five in midfield and left him in there on his own. There was a, there was a part in the second half, um, which I don't know if it really showed that well on TV. Uh, but I was over in the newsstand and Conlon. There was a diagonal ball played over to around the sort of the the angle of the sideline and the forty five meter line, and Conlon had there was nobody there to cut it off. So all he had to do, he 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 beat Joey Holden in a foot race out to it. Um, then he picked it and did a shimmy and actually left Holden for dead and and skated away from him and was only cut off about five or ten yards from his own goal. So there was enough space for him to run thirty meters out, collect the ball, turn and run thirty meters back before any help arrived for Joey Holden. And to me, I was just I was kind of blown away by how exposed they left their their full back. I know that they they tend towards the traditional and whatever, but I think they really missed Paul Murphy yesterday. Usually when, when Kilkenny play against a team that uh, um, plays with a sweeper, Paul Murphy is the spare man at the back and he mops up everywhere and tidies up everywhere. Um, they didn't really have that player yesterday, whether it was just... I know Jackie went off after 20 minutes, but... Like and he was injured, but but even at that point, Claire had two eight on the board when when he went off. Um, they just didn't seem to have a sort of a system in place to to combat the fact that a big horse of a man was going to play full forward, was going to have ball delivered in. Now, look, let's not under understate how good the ball in was and how tough a uh, prospect John Conlon is. Like he was, he he was making. Lots of hay up there. Um, helped out by the fact that uh, Owen Murphy came off his line a couple of times and didn't get there and didn't get him. So, you know, you got to get one or the other. You can't get neither. <laughs> and uh, the goals went in apart from that. But even away from that, Connor was setting up points. He was people, the, the likes of Aaron Cunningham and David Reedy and all these guys were playing off him, linking up with the play. And I just, the longer it went on, the more baffling it was to me that, that nothing was done to just protect the house there to put stand somebody in the in the D and just cut off all these balls that were coming in so on that point as well I think we've seen Kilkenny in 2010 uh, conceding goals they rectified it we see it in the Leinster final in 2012 against Galway they rectified it and believe me they do have DVD players down in Kilkenny so <laughs> I can guarantee you that there'll be way better structure now and that gives Brian Coley definitely something to work on and even like he highlighted Paul Murphy's absence I seen him against Tipperary when the high balls would go in. He was out around maybe the half back and after he dragged out, but he used just turn and sprint and get back in behind that full back for 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 protection when that ball it breaks. So you know, I think um, you'll uh, the DVD play will be in overdriving Kenny for uh, the next couple of weeks. But yeah. I think they they'll, they'll rectify they previously have done. Nice one, Owen Kelly, Malcolm Sherkin. Thanks, Neil. Cheers. Thanks, lads. Bye bye. Just a crying big baby. 
but you cannot call a player a baby. Coach. And we never said they are baby. He's just a crying big baby. And you cannot call a player a baby. And if that's not enough hurling chat for you, why not go back to the first of our New York shows to hear Johnny Glynn talk about Galway's near miss last season and why he loves New York so much and has decided to stay in the States and miss out on the championship this summer. He was a sound man. Came along to came along to the Brass Monkey as well. Yeah, he did, yeah. And uh yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I didn't actually tell the story because I'm still a little traumatised by it, but I was talking to him afterwards about his footballing pedigree and um, uh, it, it dawned on me very quickly that I had actually, I had marked, or at least had been marked, by his uncle, right. which uh, is an extremely depressing thing to have <laughs> to come to terms with when you're, when you're still in your early 30s, own early to mid. You like to talk to these sports people and feel like you're... Hey. Peers, and then you realise you're over 10 years older Hey, 23 year old, we're the same, <laughs> me yeah. and you yeah, Two so young guys over here making yeah. their way in New York Anyway, sorry, yeah, his uncle, what was his uncle like? Uh, he was uh, one of the most physically scary men that I'd ever played against Actually not all that tall So I mean, if, if you think, say, Johnny Glynn Only maybe six inches shorter But of a similar frame and... okay. You know, the the aggression that you see in Johnny Glynn's hurling game, very much present and correct. I actually, now I, I should say, try and add a, uh, a caveat here, that I was only 17, I think, when I, when I played against Johnny Glynn's uncle. And Johnny Glynn's uncle was like 41 or something. But my, I do recall he was one of maybe three players that my mother warned me to stay away <laughs> from <laughs> when, I was, when I first started playing uh, Oh, first out. I mean, I'm sure if if I was playing even now, my mother would still be warning me against you know various members of various teams in in Gola club football. He was one of them, though. All five shows from New York are available now, featuring Johnny Glynn, Henry Shefflin, John Doody, Andy Lee, Des Bishop, loads of great superstars we had over there. Really had a good time. So hopefully you have listened to them all every last minute of every one of those shows. If not, well, what are you waiting for? And after you've completed that set, why not listen to today's Irish Time Second Captain's football podcast? That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I like to stay alive for six days. I'm going to need it. I'd say it to your face. I'll say it to you now. I went down Twanfield, and we'll see them. What you doing down here? You surely man. Obviously, the big story of the weekend was Leicester City wobbling but staying uh, on course for uh, their first Premier League title. Uh, and we, we talked to Jonathan Wilson about, are they maybe getting a few marginal calls from referees who don't want to go down in history as the man who destroyed our, all of our footballing dreams? 
uh, and we caught up with caught up with. It, was a, it sounds like he was running away from us. <laughs> Roger Bennett from the Men and Blazers. Uh, we caught up with him while we were in New York to talk about the growth of soccer in the US and why video games is primarily the the reason. Plus, there's more mentions of Tom Selleck than you'd expect. There are in quite a few Tom Selleck football, references football sorry, show there. episode. Jerry Thornley was at the sports ground in Galway on Saturday evening to watch Connacht confirm their qualification for the Champions Cup next year. They've also moved within two wins of a home semi-final in the league. It's been an outstanding season and it was another outstanding win, 35-14 over Munster. Jerry, how are you doing? Good, thank you. And you? Uh, pretty good, yeah. Pretty the jet good. lag. Yeah, the jet lag is... <laughs> we'll talk about that off air, Jerry. It's, uh, we'll, we'll keep the energy going on air and then immediately go for a sleep. But the uh, you described it as a confirmation of a shift in the balance of provincial power, the the victory for Connacht against against Munster. Are you standing by that this morning? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Barring an old um, Arsene Wenger line that proved a bit premature, but I don't know how long this is going to last. But clearly, this season, Connacht have been a better team than Munster. They proved it at Tomen Park, and they underlined it in the manner of their win on Saturday night. It was very emphatic in the end. Although there were a couple of key turning points, like. Munster were winning by 14-6 when their uh, loose head James Crone was sin-binned in his absence and that of Billy Holland. Connacht dipped their bread to the tune of 14 points. Even then, Francis Saeli, um knocked on over the line that had he scored that try, would have been a four-point game just entering the last quarter. Those were two significant momentum shifts. But that being said, it definitely confirmed that Connacht are just way more assured in what they're doing. Um, they've arguably now got more game-breakers anyway. Um, but they know how to keep the ball. They know what they're at. Um, they're defensively more secure as well than Munster, whose defence came apart a bit at the seams um, at times. And ultimately, there was no disputing that the better team won. They did so with their eighth offensive bonus point of the season. And the table tells no lies. They're, what are they, 18 points clear of Munster? And they're, they're, they've got a top six place guaranteed, now bidding for a top four playoff place, maybe even a home semi-final. Munster scrapping for their lives to get that top six qualification. So Connacht are a better team now? Definitely, yeah. unquestionably. A better team. Better scrum. The improvement in Dennis Buckley and uh, Finlay Bealham is extraordinary. Um, they've got a really potent scrum now. They took the Munster scrum to the treads. Uh, Tom McCartney, like Bundyaki, is an outstanding signing that is down to Pat Lamb and his persuasive powers and his knowledge of the Kiwi game, the New Zealand game, and the Auckland game. Uh, so the better front row. They're way more athletic in the second row with Alton Delan and Ali Muldowney. Um, Delan had a big game. Muldowney's going to be a loss. He's a big ball winner for them. Very good on the ball, both of them. Um, Delan and Aki were their main source of go forward. Uh, Marmion is playing some outstanding rugby. They can seamlessly dip in now and bring in a fourth choice out half, and he's almost as good as any of the first three, even though he's normally a centre. And then they've got a they go, they've got a go to man every week. It seems they can just be a game breaker for them. If it's not Matt Healy, if it's not Robbie Henshaw, it's Ni Adilunkun who scored now four tries in two games. Or it's Bundyaki, who was just a force of nature. <laughs> yeah. He was just a force of nature. Like every time he got the ball, it sent a surge of energy through the sports ground, through all near eight thousand fans, most of whom were Connacht, obviously. I mean, he made twenty carries for a hundred and thirty odd meters. That actually seemed to shortchange him. His influence seemed even more pronounced than that. He was he dragged them into the game at key moments. It was I mean he carried into CJ Stander and Tommy O'Donnell an offload out of the tackle, two of Munster's best players, best tacklers, and then Finley Finley beat him with that lovely transfer onto Adiolone Kuhn for the first try. Their scrum hammered home that you'd mentioned the second try. They're just all round a better side. A lot of people question their exit strategies. They like to run the ball from kickoffs, and once or twice maybe they should have kicked it, and once or twice it landed them in trouble. But once or twice it saw them break up field and hammer home their advantage and led to their second try, which effectively won the match. So they're just way more assured in what they're doing. They're way more developed in what they're doing. They, they, everybody seems to know exactly where their teammate is on the pitch, whether he's got the option of carrying and he'll be cleared out or offloading or passing the ball and moving it on. They set up different targets. It's quite patterned to a degree, but everybody knows what they're doing. And the same is 
not true of Munster. I mean, the Munster skill set broke down at key moments. You you mentioned there the uh, what could be deemed high risk plays that they mm. they try to pull off and the, and the style with which they play. A couple of those they got in trouble a couple of times against mm. Grenoble. Maybe went out yeah. of the European competition based on a, a couple of these moments, you know, kicking a ball from their own twenty two cross field when there's no need to necessarily. Would you be critical of them for that, or is it is it just a natural consequence of the way they played at the odd time it's not going to come off but you you actually can't really criticize them for that because that's that's what they do yeah i agree i think that's i wouldn't be too critical i was i was surprised by the criticism of them yes for sure at 193 up away from home in a european quarter final a cross kick from inside your own 22 that goes out <laughs> in the fool is probably not the smartest play you're ever going to come up with but their exit strategy also leads them up the field a lot of the time and gets them and sees them hammer home a score and maybe even add another score. And I think it's very easy to pick out the moments when it goes wrong. Like I said, that's what, that would undoubtedly be the case in the lead-up to, I think it was the Mike Sherry try, when they didn't ex- exit their own 22 effectively. It happened a couple of times. But straight after the first try by Adil Olkun, uh, Bundiaki makes this huge searing break upfield which leads inevitably to their second try just on half time which wouldn't have happened if they'd followed orthodoxy and exit strategy the way everybody else liked it I rather like the line of one Connacht supporter who said uh, to help a monster and Leinster and their boring exit strategies we want to watch, I want to watch my team go down with their boots you know boots fighting You've mentioned Bundiaki a few times at this mm. stage I mean we're going to all provinces have made sensational overseas signings over the years and I guess each province could think of maybe two or three when they're really talking about the all time the guys who make an impact and yes. are just very good players for a year or, or a bit flashy or whatever it might be do you reckon Bundyaki could go down as one of those within Irish rugby one of these uh, iconic players who they talk about in Connacht in 15 years time yeah I think they will I think he's got another year in his contract whether he stays beyond that I don't know I think he's got ambitions to play for the All Blacks still I mean, he has talked about playing for Ireland. I don't know what his future holds, but even if it's only a three-year stay, he's going to leave an indelible imprint. Um, it would be a shame if they were ever to lose him, but I don't think they could have any grumbles with his contribution <laughs> so far. He, he, he's, he, the pumping of the chest isn't just for show. He's very, very committed to Connacht. Pat Lamb spoke very emotionally about it afterwards, that he's one of the family. He believes in Connacht the way he would with Cato Chiefs. It matters to him a huge amount. He's become a leader, a go-to man in, on the training ground. Uh, as well as on, in match days, he comes well, up with a big place. Why is that, Jay? Why why does he care so much about it? Do you think just the nature of the man? He's just one of like he's very passionate he's, about he's what he gets into. Very passionate about what he gets into. He's a very passionate rugby player. He plays with an awful lot of passion. He plays with his heart in his sleeve, and that's why he pumps his heart so much. He just it matters so much to him. Um, he's just bought into whatever Connor are about. I've often thought that. Connacht are the most like New Zealand in many respects. It's a natural home for Kiwis, climactically, in terms of the terrain. Uh, if you're coming from somewhere like the Chiefs, it's very much an underdog mentality, which what Connacht tap into very effectively. And uh, he just has bought into it hugely. And he loves the place there. And, he's, of course, he's hugely popular. Pat Lamb afterwards was also speaking about the... the legacy in mm. the, around what they're doing at the moment and uh, it was quite a funny thing to bring up I thought he said he's been talking to businesses he's been talking to people in and around the area and just trying to sow a seed there which w- would ultimately result in facilities improving and getting a bigger stadium that ma- maybe he's noticed that while people are excited about it there's not really the, the sort of long term strategy in place in and around the city and the province and he, he needs to do something about that as well yeah, um, you know, who knows how long this can last. But if kind of certainly outgrown the sports ground as it stands, um, leaving aside that it's not the best facilities in the world anyway, it's uh, the Clan Terrace has been a magnificent addition to it in terms of the atmosphere. It's now become the new Thoman Park in many respects. One of the reasons I tipped... Connacht, just when I was coming to making a forecast for the game, I thought, what's going to sway this might be just 
the home advantage factor. It's now become a real home venue. They've only lost there once at home this season. Um, in their times of need, not only can they rely on their processes and the way they want to play the game, like when they're 14-16, just go into their training routine, regardless of the support, but they also have the psychic energy that comes from the noise levels um, that are just unprecedented in the sports ground. But the problem for them has always been where do they relocate or how do they do develop something better? It would be... They were in Grenoble the week before and you've got a 20,000 capacity all-seat stadium overlooked by the Alps called the Stade des Alpes with a billiard-top playing pitch, lovely kind of glass, kind of mini kind of Aviva stroke Emirates Stadium about it. And it's, it, with 14,000 in it, it can sound like 40,000 are there. They need something of the realm of 12 or 15,000, more modernistic. Their training facilities could be better. They're, I mean, they, they train in what is, you know, a back pitch. Um, it's very exposed. Uh, I believe they've got a much improved gym facilities, but even so, in terms of keeping spectators there, the sports ground is a great location. It's a walk from Air Square. that You can't buy that. Now, they could have relocated once upon a time to Corinthian Park, to Corinthians Ground, but that's much further out, so it's a drive for everybody. In terms of space and scope for developing facilities, they'd probably have to move out, but then you lose a lot. The problem with the sports ground is that... Um, Borgon are long-term tenants as well. Realistically, they would probably have to be bought out for three or four million. I don't know if there is a will or gumption there or if there is the money there to do that. But that would ultimately, I think, what would have to happen for the sports ground to be developed. It's a difficult one for them. Getting local businesses involved now is certainly a shrewd move on Pat Lamb's part. The man is a giver. He wants to leave a legacy long after he's gone. It's very important to him, both on the pitch and off it. But um, there are a lot of logistical difficulties there and I just don't know how they're going to overcome them. Just a word on Munster then, who are left in a bit of a scrap to qualify for the Champions Cup next year. Yeah, um, I don't think confidence is high at the moment and it's been a recurring theme this season how discipline has let them down at key moments. I mean, to concede 15 penalties, uh, including a penalty try and two yellow cards, you've no hope of winning anywhere. Now, they could feel aggrieved with the yellow carding of James Cronin. They thought Finlay Bealham was just as culpable for bringing down that scrum. It was a call from a touch judge um, and it certainly proved pivotal, but... You know, their discipline has been letting them down. Their skill sets have been letting them down. There were gaps in defence that let them down. These are all things that are all within their own control and they're going to have to find it very quickly now because they're in a very unusual monster position. They're scrapping uh, in mid-table for sixth place. Playoffs are gone now. You know, they're seven points outside the top four. They ain't going to make the playoffs. They're just behind Edinburgh and they've got Cardiff breathing down their necks. The only consolation is They've got their destiny more or less in their own hands. They've got Edinburgh and the Scarlets at home, but they're almost certainly going to have to win both to make it. So it, they, they look like now becoming the Irish story, as it were, in the run-in, and the unthinkable of them being consigned to the Challenge Cup for a year and not being in the Champions Cup for the first time in history. I remember interviewing Conor Murray during the Six Nations, and he just said Monster's participation in the Champions Cup is non-negotiable. It would be... I read the line that you know it might be the worst thing in the world, that they can regroup it for a year in the Challenge Cup, but this is Monster. It's ju- it would just be on coming on top of the decline in the support and in the results and performance on the pitch for them to be consigned to the Challenge Cup would be uh, quite a slap in the face for the entire organisation. It would be you'd make make you wonder where they go next. All right, Jerry, we have to go off and get a bit of sleep, so <laughs> we'll let you leave studio. Cheers. Thanks very much. Not at all, pleasure. Shane Curran with the kick out. The forty-two-year-old goalkeeper. Curran it out from goal. Here he comes. He topped it, he fought it, he's 50 yards out from goal. What a day for us coming. All the mother niggas lame and you know it now. When the real nigga hold you down, you're supposed to drown. Bam. 1944 is the last time a senior tiger come out of here. And a whoa, 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 who
else coming. Leave a pretty girl sad reputation. Start a fight club, Brad reputation. I asked the question. Does anybody deserve to lose a dollar in a club fighter? Give me a tech 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 if you know the answer. It'll be heartbreak on either side. Imagine being eight up. Imagine it comes from eight down. Jane Curran has been lifted by an umpire. The sub-goalie. Two castle firemen and a British man. I can't see Curran continuing. It could be his last race out of goal. What a day for us coming. That's an interesting one. It's kind of hard to know what exactly... I mean, there's always a solution to any problem, Murph. Uh, you would you hope to... You would hope, but... It, Short of moving them away, I mean, what, how far away is Corinthians, for example? How, how tricky would that be for? Uh, well, it's a, Corinthians is basically in in Clare Galway, which is like maybe five miles outside Galway City. Well, that's hardly. Well, well, it is though. I mean, if if you're talking about Jerry is talking about there, and it is a big part well, of atmosphere the in the city, all those kind of things. Yeah, Galway people are loads to walk anywhere. I mean, it, when you grow up or work in a city where ten minutes brings you from one end of the city to the other, yeah, it's not a big city. Uh, I mean the the actual. I mean it's it's a very small town surrounded by a large number of housing estates. Is Galway? That's basically what Galway City is. It's not a town of neighbourhoods necessarily. It's just one city centre, and that's it. So ten minutes is you know it's an Olympic. It's a hike basically for Galway people. So I think uh, you want to be inside that circle, and that's what you can't move more than a ten minute walk around away. That's, what, that's what I'm. T- I mean, listen, on you can either listen to me as a Galwegian, yeah, or, or you shoot can my mouth off bring here. your outmoded Dublin ways of thinking into you know a realm that you don't even really belong in. Well, I think Galway people need to harness the spirit of Ken Early, Murph, because when we talked to him for the football podcast, which you should download now, he was about to set off on a hike around birds appeared to be perched on his head. yeah real Dr. Doolittle stuff there there were birds there were woodpeckers pecking away there yeah. were birds tweeting I mean I feel like we should reiterate we did it in the football show as well but they were not sound effects added by us that was literally what we were hearing via Skype from Ken so yeah, uh, yeah it, it did sound it sounded like a rustic idyll I'm still concerned that despite his chastening experience watching Manchester a New York City FC train when he managed yeah. to get sunburned in uh, about 13 degree temperature that he is still only elected to put sun cream on his nose yeah you know, he's, he's talking to us yeah oh, dude, I learned my lesson there so I put a bit of sun cream on my nose but obviously I'm leaving the rest of it to to nature to do its worst or do its best yeah, I'm, 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 I'm un- I worry for the boy right, thanks Murph thanks Owen thanks very much for listening and thanks for all the support and all the feedback from our shows over in New York it was great fun doing them we'll talk to you soon That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.